There's coffee in the lobby, if you guys don't know that. Seems like you guys are asleep. Anyways, good morning. How are you? Good. Great. I'm glad to be here with you as well. Jeez. Um, <laughs> before I get started, I'm so excited. Um, just I want to say personally thank you to Jeff. Um, he started out as a mentor for me. He became a friend. And now, by God's grace, we get to work together. Um, he's been faithfully serving the Lord here in this church for 10 years, but serving Christ for a long, long time. Just a man after God's own heart. So I'm really excited that we get to celebrate him as a church family. We get to celebrate him as a staff um, and his wife, too, just faithfully serving beside. If you guys didn't know that, the, the woman that stands right here, the shortest mic, that's Casey. That's Jeff's wife. And if you know anything about marriage, like the fact that they're loving the Lord and serving together speaks volume of how they care for each other in their marriage and how they love um, Jesus. So I'm just so excited that, to be a part of that, and I just wanted to say that before we get started with the message that um, I just really appreciate Jeff, and it's a blessing to our community and to our church to have him here. And if any of you know Jeff, you know that to be true as well. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into uh, the scripture because we've got a lot to cover today. Father, um, I thank you for who you are. Um, I thank you for what you're doing. I, I'm so excited to talk about the Holy Spirit today. I'm so excited just to, to help, help the church understand the role of the Holy Spirit. Lord, so many times we, we, we ignore it or we forget it or we really just don't even understand from the beginning the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives and in our church. Lord, I pray that, um, that that's made clear and evident as we get started and as we dive into the word. Um, I just thank you, and I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, we're going to look at a, a couple different things, but the first thing is just the Holy Spirit. You know, who, who here is the middle child? You can go ahead and raise your hand. This is the one time that we, anyone cares about you. Um, middle, <laughs> middle child. Who? <laughs> I just word vomit, sorry. Um, but, but for real, though, that's actually the point. I got to the punchline beforehand, but that's the point. You know, you got the Father, you got the Son, you got the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like the middle child. You know, you just kind of ignore it. We, we, Jesus, 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 the Father, the Father, our Father who art in heaven, Jesus died on the cross, and then the Holy Spirit is just kind of like, it's like the middle kid or the second kid. So I have, um, I have two sons, uh, Peter, he's um, running around here like crazy, and then uh, James, who you've probably never seen because he's the second kid. Um, but we have, I have two kids, and it's really like that. You know, James is a toddler, and he's running around, you know, taking his diaper off, climbing up the the, the chair to grab knives and all stuff. So you're always like running around, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And you kind of leave my four-month-old Peter, you just leave him in the, the car seat. You know he's there and you know he's okay, but you just kind of kind of ignore him. Not that I ignore my kid, calm down, don't freak out. But that's kind of how it is with the Holy Spirit. That's how we as believers in the church kind of engage the Holy Spirit. We know he's there, but we really don't talk about it. You know, maybe in times of need, or we'll sing a song, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, or man, the Holy Spirit is convicting me right now, or you, we use it in, like in these little specific moments, but we never talk about the Spirit. And it's, it's part of the Trinity, and now this is one of the most complex paradoxical things in our world, and I'm going to try to explain it in like 20 seconds, but we always think about the Trinity as three individual 
people or gods or whatever. You know, you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says, and your pastor says, no, they're one. They're not three individuals. They're one. And you kind of just accept it. You know, we don't really talk about that. It's like, all right, move on to the next thing. How do, how do we pray? You know, how to help my marriage or something like that. We never really talk about the Trinity. And I want to encourage you to think about it in two different ways. Mathematically, it's more like one times one times one equals one. And that's how the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit interact. Now, another way is this is complex. Okay, so this is a bottle of water. This is a bottle of water. <laughs> um, you have this water, and it's a liquid, you know. Shake it, all these different things. But if I froze it and I added, uh, took the temperature away, removed heat, it would freeze. And, or if I heated it, it would become steam. It's still steam. It's still a bottle of water, right? So it's the same bottle of water. If I removed heat or added heat, it would be the same bottle of water in the bottle. But even that, if you proclaim that as being the Trinity, is still heretical. So what am I trying to say? So imagine this bottle of water <laughs> is liquid, gas, and solid all at the same time. Super simple, right? It is frozen, it is steam, and it is liquid at the same time. And that's the complexity and the reality of the triune God that we serve. You know, very rarely, if ever, do I use the Greek. Because it's like, it, I don't know, for me it just comes, it's off-putting, you know, well, we just see the Greek here says, because you don't know Greek and I'm smarter than you. Uh, the Greek here says, and I, I, I'm going to use the Greek, okay? Sorry, I'm not trying to talk down to you. It's for the purpose of just encouraging you and learning this. So, perikinesis, it's this word in Greek, and it means rotation. Uh, another way it's translated is divine dance. And that's the way that scripture describes the Trinity. It's this divine dance between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This rotation of God in, in all of his majesty. Uh, well, let me help you understand it even a simpler way, which is more, it's actually super complex, but it's simple. Genesis 1, 26. It's one of my favorite verses to explain how we see the Trinity. Because the Trinity is never in the Bible. <gasps> Didn't know that. It's not in the Bible. Never says Trinity in the Bible. So, still on out there. But... We understand the concept of a triune God. Genesis 1, 26. It's right in the beginning. After um, the page that tells you where all the other books are. And it says, Genesis 1, 26. He says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and livestock and all the earth and all over the little creepy things. So God created man in his own image. And in an image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and continue, and continue on. So we start off with this, this plural. Let us create man in our image. And then the very next verse is singular, God created man in his own image. And we see, even from the very beginning, first page, a triune God has appeared. So the things that we're going to discuss this evening, or this morning, I do have another one. This morning is one, what is, what is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? A lot of us don't even understand what the Holy Spirit is. Two, what does the Holy Spirit do? 
What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? And three, and this even is a weird even trying to say it, but for just for communication's sake, is how do you get the Holy Spirit? Even though it is a person, even though it is God, how do you receive or, or get or encounter the Holy Spirit? But before we do that, I want us to understand just three simple misunderstandings about the Holy Spirit. Now, one of these is that the Spirit comes in, in spurts. It only happens every once in a while. Certain denominations, certain people believe that the Holy Spirit comes in, in just simple spurts or moments. But the reality is this, that the Holy Spirit is meticulous and always ever-present, omnipotent, ever-present in our lives, in, in, in our reality, and it doesn't come in moments. Now, there are times that we don't listen or we squelch, the Holy Spirit, and it feels like it's coming in spurts, but it's very even keel. We see the Spirit moving from Genesis 1 all the way through Scripture's purposed and meticulous, not in spurts or, or, or in moments, but rather just constant. That's one misconception. Another is that the Spirit's works are always spectacular. Now, that's true to some degree, but it's not an expectation. Because some of the things that we declare as spectacular aren't always the thing that God declares as spectacular. And some of the things that are spectacular, we don't always recognize it. Simple example, this morning, and we'll talk about this later, we had two baptisms right out front. That's spectacular. That's a miracle. But we don't even recognize it as what it is. It has to be a healing or it has to be some miraculous sign and wonder. Not saying that God doesn't do those things. But if it's the expectation always of the Holy Spirit, it's a misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit is and what he does. The third thing is that the, the Holy Spirit is always spontaneous. Always spontaneous. I, used this, I didn't use this this morning and I wish I did, but someone explained it to me when I was younger that our lives are kind of like sailboats. And our job is to just to always keep our mast open, our sail open, so that when the Holy Spirit moves, we're ready. And he'll guide us and move in us. But it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is always spontaneous. Can he be spontaneous? Can God do what God wants to do in any moment, in any time? Absolutely. But that's not the expectation of that. And I think it will help us understand when we understand what the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So, one, what is the Holy Spirit? Or rather, who is the Holy Spirit? Write this down. If you miss some of this stuff, um, we're going to go through like 40 verses. And they're all important. But if you need that, I can email it or I'll put it online. But this is just to get through and understand what, who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So, starting with, one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Acts 5, 3 through 4. So there's this guy, Ananias, and he sells his land, and he gives it to the apostles, the money. But he, he keeps some of the money for himself, and he gives the rest of the money to the, the apostles. Now, the problem isn't that he kept some of the money. The problem is he lied. He said, I gave you everything that I have. Here's the money. Here's all that I made from selling this property. But he lied. And this is what scripture says, Acts 5, 3 through 4. Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. You have not lied to man, but you have lied to God. Recognizing that the Holy Spirit in that moment is God. 
And now, I'm only going through a couple. There are hundreds and hundreds of verses about the, the triune God, being one, being individual, all these different things. And we'll, we'll dive into that over the next couple weeks. Second, he's Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He's Spirit. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? John 15.26 talks again. He says, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Spirit is God, the Spirit is Lord, the Spirit is truth, and the Holy Spirit is Spirit. Now some of you, depending on your, your, your denominational background, might understand that the, the Holy Ghost, um, it, He's a Spirit. Not, it's just the way that King James was, uh, is translated, there, there are no such thing as ghosts, I'm sorry, for all of you who believe in ghosts, and I'm sorry for the multi-million dollar business that is selling ghosts around the town. He, he's spirit, different. Ghost, different spirit. Okay? So understanding that. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Number one, the Holy Spirit creates. Genesis 1, 2, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, we're not talking about how long it took or when it was created and all these different things. All you need to know is God created it, and specifically the Spirit. Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of Almighty gives me life. The Spirit creates things. This is important because how it interacts with us, we'll talk about in a second. But also, the Spirit... Author scripture, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Knowing this, first of all, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now it's a little circular logic there, you know. We believe the Bible is true and God's word because the Bible tells us that it's God's word and it's true. It's kind of circular logic. But when we talk about later in the year about the historicity and the authoritative um, authorship of scripture, we can dive more into that. But what you need to know is that the scriptures, everything that's written in this book from Genesis, Genesis to Revelation, was written by men who were guided or given permission by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. And that's 2 Peter 1, 20-21. Next, the Holy Spirit gives us access to God. Ephesians 2, 18. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. He is also the one who molds us and shapes us and builds our character. Galatians 5, 22-23, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, singular, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, for there's, there's no law against such things as these. He is the one that produces fruit in your life. It's not you just struggling and working and, and making yourself better. The Spirit is the one who molds our character. 
and produces fruit in our life. Now, this brings me to another kind of interesting point. So many times in our culture, in our life, and even post-enlightenment, is everyone thinks that the mind is the most powerful thing. Our brains, our, our intellect, that's, that's what is going to take us to the next level. But I'm going to argue that point very easily and very firmly that that's not true. That the Spirit is the one who shapes and molds us and guides us, and this is how I know. My mind doesn't tell me if I make this decision with somebody, with somebody else, if I text this woman who's not my wife that this is going to end horribly for me, or even if it does, it doesn't, it doesn't stop people. It doesn't tell me that, hey, I shouldn't go eat those donuts in the lobby because I love donuts. I know they're bad for me. They're going to make me fat. They're going to give me problems later in life. My shirts are going to get tighter. My buttons are going to pop. All these different things. My, my mind doesn't tell me that that's bad for me. If it does, it does nothing to stop me. I know that working out and exercise is good. I know that not being harsh with your, your husband or your wife is good. I know that relationships are good, that you know submitting to authority is good, that learning and growing is good, but it don't always choose those things. And so many times it has nothing to do with anything except for you do what you want to do and your mind can't stop you. I would argue that your mind is the weakest part in your body. How many times have you trusted or have you thought, have you looked and made decisions? You, I know this isn't the right decision, but I love Krispy Kreme. You know, you drive into the gym and you see that CeCe's Pizza is half off and you take a left. Your mind isn't the strongest thing. And if you don't understand what the Spirit's role in your life is, sometimes you can squelch even the Spirit. Sometimes in our hearts and our minds, when we make decisions and we look at things and we, how we engage people in life, we squelch the Spirit because we choose what we want and we follow our first love, which is our heart and our flesh. And we forget even what the Spirit does. But the beautiful thing about the Spirit comes in Romans 8.26. I'm going I'm to read it for us. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness, our Spirit, the Spirit helps us. And not only does He help us, for when we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Maybe I'm the only one. But you ever have those moments when you don't know what to say? You don't even know how to cry out to God? You don't even know what to do or how to pray? So many times, even in my heart and my life, I've said, Lord, help me to want to want to pray. Help me to want to want to love you. Help me to want to want to stop this sin. I don't even know how. I don't even know what to do. Maybe it's a loss. Maybe it's loneliness. Man, it's crazy with all these people in this room. And you all are, are beautiful, smart, encouraging, lovely people. But there's so many people in this room that feel utterly alone. 
How do I know? Because I talk to you. And it's, it blows my mind. And maybe alone in, in the car or in, the, in, in, in your room or when you're driving and that despair and that loneliness comes upon you, I want you to understand that the Spirit helps you in those times. And He helps you in your weakness. Or maybe there's something you just don't know how to fix or you don't know how to deal with or whatever it is in your life and you, the Spirit interprets for you. The Spirit's the one that, that pleads to God on your behalf. Know that and be encouraged in that. When you don't know how to cry out to God, He indwelling in you cries out for you. The Spirit gives us the power to say no to sin and yes to life. The, spout, the power that comes in the Holy Spirit. We're talking about power. He helps us to say no to good things and yes to eternal things. Romans 8, 9 through 14. You, however, you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life. Gives life to the mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. It's interesting because to a lot of people this sounds like foolishness. And one of the things that the Spirit does is He helps us understand Scripture. How many of us, before we became believers in Christ, now if you're a new person in this building, I'm so excited that you're here. And I pray that the Spirit will reveal Himself to you and help you understand the words that are coming even out of my mouth. Because for, for a lot of us, we don't even know how to interpret Scripture. You know, 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14 says, And we impart this word not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, foolishness. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So how do you get the Spirit? How does the Spirit work? What is the Spirit? What does it do? How does this all, what does this mean? And I want us to look at our text, which is John 16. We're going to go 16 and John 14. But John 16, 5 through 7. And this is where I want us to kind of look at to begin with. Because I think it, it explains itself beautifully and easily. It says, But now, I'm going to him who sent me. And this is Jesus speaking. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now in verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 26. 
but the Helper, the Advocate, the Counselor. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You see, Jesus had to go. Jesus had to leave. That the Holy Spirit from Genesis 1 was waiting and anticipating the moment where Jesus Christ died on the cross. God in flesh. Because he knew that the advocate, the counselor, the Holy One, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was coming. You see it in Pentecost. Now we have access personally to God. And isn't it interesting? Wouldn't you want God in the one place where the the fighting is heaviest? (laughs) But a lot of us don't even understand where that is. It's our heart. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. How do I know this? Because Scripture says it. Ephesians 1, 13-14. In Him you also, who have heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of salvation, that Jesus Christ traded His righteousness for your self-righteousness. That's what sin is, is our self-righteousness. We are God. When you understand yourself as being God, or it's all about you, that's what sin is. Simplest, easiest way to explain it. So Jesus, God in flesh, trades his righteousness for your self-righteousness and believe in him. Those who heard the gospel and believed in Jesus were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, until we're in heaven. To praise be the glory. God, from the very beginning, was planning and purposing the Holy Spirit for you to be very near to you. To dwell within us because that's where the fighting is heaviest. Our hearts are factories for idols. Our hearts want it to be about me. My heart wants it to be mine, mine, mine. But the Holy Spirit keeps my heart in check because I believe in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness. The Holy Spirit gives me access to God. The Holy Spirit molds my character and produces fruit in my life because without the Holy Spirit, I've got no hope. I've got no chance. But understanding that it's working perfectly in tandem, that when Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the helper came. It's not your conscience. It's not your willpower. It's the Holy Spirit. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does is it convicts of sin. John 16, 8 and 9. And when He comes, the Advocate, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So what's the whole point? What's all this about? It's simple. If you are not a believer in Christ, I would feel wrong if I didn't tell you this truth. And you can disagree, you can write about me on the internet, whatever, I don't care. 
If you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you have no hope. You don't have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work that way. You can't buy it. You can't read it. It's not in a book. You can't earn it. You can't magically find it out. You can't encourage its principles. Because it's God. God living in you. It's the simplest thing, though. Believing in Jesus Christ. Understanding that it's about him and not about you. That's it. And you get the Holy Spirit. And with that, you proclaim your obedience to Jesus as Lord and Savior through baptism. It's as simple as that. We're going to talk how this works and how this actually practically moves forward. But this is what you need to know for today. This is what you need to know for this week. One, that the Holy Spirit is God. It's not some ambiguous thing that we talk about every once in a while on Sunday. Two, that the Holy Spirit is actively working in your heart and your life. And if you're not a believer in Christ, He's calling you and wooing you. That small voice that you hear, that you keep ignoring, that tells you that this is real, that Jesus is who He says is, is, that's the Holy Spirit. He gives you access to God. He builds your character. He shapes you. He convicts you of sin, but He helps you in your weakness. He intercedes for us when we don't know what to do or how to pray. And the easiest, simplest way to get the Holy Spirit is to believe in Jesus. No magic. You don't have to give us any money. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to do any of those things, even though those are all great things. You see, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Becoming a believer in Christ is the simplest thing you can do. But it's not the easiest. Let's pray. Father, I just, I pray that... We trust and lean into your promises. That we believe the Holy Spirit is who he says he is. That we trust the Father and the Son who attest and proclaim the Spirit over and over again. Lord, that we don't ignore the true power in our lives. That we don't ignore that we actually have the very presence of God dwelling within us. Lord, it, I repent and I'm ashamed that I didn't, I don't always believe that until studying and reading that I didn't understand fully how the Holy Spirit interacted with me as a redeemed, broken sinner. Lord, I pray for the hearts of everyone in this room. I pray that they will feel, physically feel, power of the Holy Spirit in these next moments. But not just in these next moments or at church, but every day of their life. And that we as a body of believers can lean into that. That gift. The helper, the advocate, the counselor. 
pray all these things in Jesus' name.